Awesome. Hey, good to be with you guys. We had an amazing morning. Uh, Wendy and I were able to be with our Harbor Life group that is going through wave one. Um, it, was, it was amazing because um, they had been learning about God and who he is, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then today we got to actually talk to them about the church. And it was so much fun for Wendy and I to be present in there. Now, just Quickly, I, I want to say this, and, and, and hear my heart here. Like, this is profound stuff that we're talking about in Harbor Life that will change your entire perspective on what this whole thing is about. Like, think about this. Like, if we don't understand who God is, we'll never know who we are. The Bible is very clear that, that Jesus and thus the Godhead is the head of the church, but we are his body. You know, as goes the head, so should the body as well, right? When it turns, the body should turn. You know, when, it, when it's focused in a particular direction, the body is focused in that different direction. And we as the church, individual members collective people within a congregation like this, part of a region that has many other expressions, part of a nation where people like us that have, that have said, Jesus is the Son of God. That's how, that's how Jesus told Peter that the church would be built on that revelation that Jesus is God revealed in the flesh to humanity. It's that simple. There's a change that takes place. We are brought into an intimate relationship. We're out of that reality. We begin to understand who we are, and then we get positioned for impact, okay, to change the world. Come on, somebody. And the thing is, is that the church is not a building that we come into, and it's not even a service that we go to. It's us. We are the church. We are his body, and as we get connected, that's what the whole engage and activate thing is, Vision Sunday. It's getting connected to other parts so that we're strengthened and encouraged. You know, I was, I was sharing with the Harbor Life crew that when I was in college and I was an, an athlete at the University of South Carolina, I was sitting on a couch in the dorm room that I was living in. And when I went to get up off the couch, I kind of stumbled, and there was this really heavy coffee table sitting in front of me with those metal legs, and, and I, I was kind of falling forward, and I tried to dodge it, but my pinky toe, I didn't have any shoes on, socks, nothing, my pinky toe caught the end of that table, and I just heard, snap, boom. Now, honestly, I never thought too much about my pinky toe and how important it was until the day that thing got broken and dislocated. You know, just walking was horrible. The rest of my, this sounds crazy, but the rest of my body could not function because of the disconnection and dislocation of that toe. Now, I want you to think about this. Do we think about people who are broken and dislocated and disconnected from Jesus and from his people, and how that's actually really affecting the impact that we're supposed to have in this world as the body? Or is it really no big deal? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, 
so-and-so's disconnected or broken or dislocated. Like, and I, I learned something very valuable in this experience uh, that was t- terrible at the time. But, you know, they, they can't cast a pinky toe to get it fixed. They just, there's no cast for that. What they do is they tape that toe to another healthy toe. And that other toe provides stability and strength and encouragement while we're being healed along the journey. Trust me, for all of us, man, there is possibility to get broken, disconnected, disjointed. And, the, and, and that, is, that, is, that is not the portion that the Lord would have for us. because we're, And this is what the enemy does when we're in that place. It's okay. Go ahead. Just be alone. Maybe you're better by yourself. Or you know what? Your part really doesn't matter. Just do your own thing. No, listen, God is, is raising up right now on the earth unlike any other time in human history. We may not be seeing it as much in America, but we're going to, like is happening in other countries, but there is an army that's raising up in the earth that's getting connected to each other in relationship, and we are better together. Come on. We are better together. So we're not a church. You know, we, we are really trying to define, like, what this whole thing about, about is. Who is God? Oh, wow, as I see him, I actually see more of myself as a believer and who I really am. Christ in me is the hope of glory. We're going to talk about that this morning. But as we seek correctly the church, you know, I was, I was telling the, the group this morning, I was shaped by my traditions, And what I thought church was. I thought it was a building that I went to. A Sunday school class that I attended or whatever, you know. And it's not. It's me. It's you. It's us together, right? As 11, it's it's actually the word ecclesia. Ones that have been called out of a broken culture into one that is whole and functional and beautiful that the Father dwells in. And we have access now to bring that thing to the earth through relationship with Jesus and Him now living in us and bringing that culture out to a world and changing the cities that we live in, changing our neighborhoods, changing our families. If you believe that, say amen. Come on. Amen. Let's go home. Come on. That's good enough, right? Hey, I want to I talk about just for a few minutes from my heart to you as we finish up, it's good to be us today. You know, we're, we're revisiting like cultural realities of who we are as a sub-community within the greater body of Christ in South Florida. And we have a role to play. And there's people that, like yourself, that are feeling connected to this place relationally so that we can journey together to bring who we are to South Florida. And that's important because we play a, a specific needed role, just like each person in this room plays a specific needed role in what we're all called to do together, right? And so it's good to be us. One of the things that I hear all the time is how authentic people feel when they meet individuals from the harbor, when they come into meetings, when they're around stuff like PRISM or anything that's really going on harbor-related, or they run into someone out at a restaurant, and they're like, where church do you go to? Oh, I'm, 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 well, I'm, I go to Jesus' church, which is a big, huge global reality, but I actually fellowship and connect with some people in what's called the harbor here in South Florida. Wow, you guys are really authentic. That's, that's, that's a beautiful compliment because I want to talk today about how the glory of God 
And somehow our ability to see the glory of God is tied into this whole thing called authenticity. It's very important today. Can I be honest, and this is no stone being thrown at the body of Christ because I love it desperately, but when I was talking to the Lord about this, he said, listen, I need authenticity back in my house again. Because, listen, the world can tell a difference if we carry it or if we don't. In fact, this summer, we went on a trip, Luke and I and one of his teammates to, to Maryland, Pennsylvania and stuff for some of his lacrosse tournaments. And it was so refreshing to me because the team that he was playing on was not a part of a Christian school. The coach was not a believer. None of the other players would identify as people who know Jesus. Um, the parents all of them that I talked to were not attending or part of any faith community at all. In fact, when Luke tried to talk to his friends on the team about their, his dad, you know, like, that's kind of the thing. Like, what does your dad do? Well, mine's a doctor. Mine's a lawyer. Mine's a business owner. Mine's a dentist. Whatever it is. Luke was like, well, my dad's a pastor. And it was so awesome to hear some of the kids' responses. They're like, you mean your dad's a rabbi? dad's a priest the first you know practices and stuff obviously I wasn't around they never met Luke's dad and then you know I roll up to these tournaments and stuff and I'm just being me and they're like Luke come here there's no way your dad's a pastor dude he dude he wears really cool Adidas shoes and skinny jeans there's no way Priests don't do that, man. That's not true. Come on, tell us what your dad really does for a living. But what was so refreshing for me about being around these people, because I think that sometimes we get in our bubble and we don't really realize because of it how unauthentic we are, and I'll get to what I mean by that in just a minute. These people were some of the most authentic people that I'd been around. And when I'm talking about authenticity, I'm talking about being original, being real, being sincere, being vulnerable. But more so, here's the definition that I want to give you. It's actually being true to your character, like the nature of who you are. So here were people that didn't know Jesus, and they were being true (laughs) in the sense of not knowing Jesus. So the F-bombs, the this, the that... They were being true to themselves. They weren't wearing any pretense or mask or anything. They were just being them. Now, this may freak you out, but I found that, like, so refreshing. Because sometimes I meet believers that aren't really acting like their true selves. They're caught somewhere in between, and a good majority of the time, they're wearing a veil... Because they don't understand the authenticity that God could move them into, which is his glory. And it's being able to see his glory. Let me show you a scripture. This is going to make sense, trust me, in just a few minutes as we move through this. Look at this verse in John chapter 1, verse 14. This is really powerful. 
He says, so the word, speaking of Jesus, became human. So God himself was being revealed to humanity in authenticity through the Son of God. It's a crazy thing. That's why the church is being built on the revelation, as he said to Peter, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. God himself has come down to earth through you and your personhood, Jesus. Not through anybody else, any person, any other religious figure. You are the reflection of God in the earth. Now look at, look at what it says here. He says, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Some versions say he was full of grace and truth. I'm going to touch on that briefly in just a minute. But pay attention to this next part of the verse. Super important. The apostles talking here. John speaking on their behalf. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. We need grace and truth to be able to see Jesus for who he really is and to understand as we're peering into this thing that we are staring at glory because it actually affects our ability to be authentic. Because having an authentic culture and being an authentic person is tied to us being able to see and recognize the glory of God. Actually, because we can get confused. What are you talking about, Darren? I'm talking about see the glory of God in us through Jesus and align with the equity of that character and truly be authentic to who we really are. People are messed up in religion, man, so they don't know how to get here, and so they wear these veils because their glory is fading because they can't see Jesus. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So here's my question for us. How do we, as Christians, or as those that are on this journey, both get and maintain authenticity. Because it's both. It's getting it and it's maintaining it. Well, we get it by face, I call them face-to-face for my Brazilian friends, face-face. Face-to-face encounters with the presence of God. Now, you may not know what I'm talking about there, but here, you just, just put it in your back pocket. All I can say is that this is one of the reasons we feel so responsible as a leadership team and as people that are connected to us to set up moments, whether it's sitting at a restaurant together, whether it's singing some songs on Sunday, whether it's speaking a, a teaching like I'm doing today, to somehow set up moments where God can connect with people and they can have a face-to-face encounter where they begin to see things that they never saw before. I was talking to someone the other week and they were sitting in our Harbor Life class and we were talking about God 
and through the person of the Holy Spirit, and, and, and this individual said, my God, my God, Darren, Darren, and I, we were talking on the phone, my God, my God, my whole life got changed. I was like, what, 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 what? And I was expecting this, what I would have thought some, some really robust, profound answer. And I was like, what was it? And the person said, well, I came to understand, I came to see through a moment in a back classroom with Amanda Leah giving us some instruction, I came to see that the Holy Spirit is a person that's continually engaging my life. It's not just some force or some wind or some you know, rain or some fire. No, it, the Holy Spirit is a person. And I said, and that, that, that revelation, you being able to see that change? She said, yes, it, 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 it impacted my life in, in, in such a profound way. Because she was able to to see and peer into something. And then from it was able to see, oh my gosh, I carry the person of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. So that's how we get it. It's the grace of God that opens up those moments. In fact, when you see Moses, when he went up to the mountaintop, right, he has this face-to-face encounter with God. He begins to see the Lord. He's writing down the law, but he actually sees the lawgiver. And his face begins to glow because of this encounter that he has where he can see Jesus. It's see the Lord. It's like it's, it's a symbolistic picture of like what, what journey we're supposed to walk in so that when he comes down off the mountain... The, the face-to-face encounter that he had that, that put glory on his face, the people now see on him. Does that make sense? Like, so it's out of these face-to-face experiences or whatever they are that allow us to see. Have you ever like been reading your Bible and you've read a verse a hundred times and then there's that one moment where you're like, oh my God. I've never seen that before. I've never understood that before. It opens something up. And there's, there's, a, there's a, re, a measure through these things where we have a face-to-face encounter and there's the glory of God that now then be, begins to reside upon us. So when Moses came down, they're like, whoa, what is coming off of your face? We see something now in you. But he was in the old covenant, so he couldn't maintain it. And as the glory was fading... He had to veil his face so that the people couldn't see that it was dissipating from his essence. I I, want to just throw this out. How often is the body of Christ moving in a way that's apart from the glory of God and we have to veil all that we're doing so the people can't really see that we don't carry the authenticity that we're actually supposed to carry? So we mask it with all kinds of great programs, amazing music with the best musicians, some of the finest maybe messages and oratory skills in the country, whatever it may be, and yet no one is really being changed. Because, you know, we get upset. We get upset when we, we think of the story of Moses and, you know, he goes away for a little while, and the people are now building this golden calf. And we're like, man, that's messed up. But the thing is, they were building 
what they had seen in their culture, what they had known to be religious. And unless they're shown something different that doesn't fade, that's what they're going to build because that's what they were able to see. Man, it's quiet in here. So in our day and time, let's put it into New Testament today, South Florida reality, the people that we influence and we affect in our spheres of business and education and whatever, like if you show them something different and they can see it, that's now what they'll build into their lives. It won't be a golden calf. It'll be Jesus because they'll see Jesus in you. Is this making sense? So how do we maintain it? So if grace through encounter initiates us into it, truth is what sustains us. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Look at Romans 8.28 here quickly. This is awesome. And I'm just going to hit on something here that I feel to touch on, then we'll be done. Romans 8.28. Look what they say. Look what Paul says. And we know. Okay, so grace gives us these moments where we come to face-to-face encounters. Revelation pops. We can see Jesus. Now the glory of God begins to rest on us because we recognize what we actually carry. We, we exude Jesus' nature. It's not one that is supposed to fade. It's one that's supposed to increase from glory to, from glory to, right? It's ever increasing. So more encounters, more experiences. But at the same time, it's really truth. Because truth needs to come and wash all the lies away that, 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 have, that have gotten all up in our minds that are blinding the gospel, blinding the good news, blinding the reality of what Jesus has done. So truth comes and dispels all of the lies. And look what Paul says right here. And we know. He didn't say we think or maybe or it might be the case. He says we know. So it wasn't just another experience. He came in contact with truth. Jesus is a God of both grace and truth. If you just live in grace, you will miss out on a ton of truth that actually will set you up to really succeed. So he came to this place where he said, I know. I picked this verse. There's many others, but I want to go somewhere with this. But look what he says. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Do we know that to be true in our lives? Really healthy question to sit with and to think about. Because this verse, by its very nature, infers that bad things and difficult things will happen in life. 
Now we know because of who God is that he is good, that it's not coming from him. It's coming from our adversary who seeks to steal, kill, destroy, wreak havoc on people's lives. But according to Isaiah 61, the spirit that's on Jesus, it comes to bring beauty where there's been ashes, joy where there's been mourning. It's a different spirit. But how do we get into that when bad things happen to our lives? Well, we have truth encounters where we stare into the face of Jesus and the truth of who he is, and we're changed from glory to glory. The essence of who he is now begins to take residence in us. And Paul says, this is manifesting through me by us now knowing that he causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That gives us hope to survive and sustain through anything bad that happens in our lives, to continue on with the journey. If you've been through some bad things, say amen. Here's what I believe. I believe that the everything there is tied to one primary thing, relational pain. Relational pain. Where there's been conflict, rejection, betrayal, loss, Not just with anybody, with people that you love. Now the reason we're not authentic oftentimes, in terms of being sincere, real, and vulnerable, in that definition of things, is because we've walked through relational pain and we haven't allowed this knowing God in this kind of way to come into the midst of it and work it out for the good. I paid Kim to sit on the front row and clap today. Thank you. That's awesome. But can I submit? This is really such a paradox for me, and I think about this, and it's such a mind-bender. The church, not a building, not a meeting, not a denomination, not a business, but people in Jesus are supposed to be safe places for other people. Because they're supposed to reflect his essence and his nature. The problem is when they don't understand that authenticity is tied to glory and being able to see the Lord through experiences and then have later encounters with truth, they may not reflect that essence and thus they may not be the safest people in the world. The veil of religion is really nasty stuff when that glory's fading you've had like a moment but then it didn't sustain and continue because you haven't come into the gospel fully it was just some ex- one time experience that, that, you, that was about it and then it's fading and you put that mask on and then bad stuff happens from there and it's really confusing for people because they're like man I'm supposed to be safe around that person I've really connected my heart to that individual or that house of God or whatever, that leader. So I was like, whoa, Lord, like this authenticity is big because it's not only just about being like, you know, vulnerable and transparent and stuff. It's about actually at one point in our lives, like manifesting the nature of Jesus in the earth. To where, because we've seen Christ, because we've encountered truth, we now bear that out in the essence of who we are, ourselves. And then we have to really learn how to do relationship. 
Because it is connection. It is being intertwined into one another's life. Look what he says as he continues. And I'm wrapping this up. For God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to be... This is the Bible. This is so wild. He knew you before you were even born. Darren, explain that to me. I can't. There's no message to explain that truth and that mystery. But it's here in the Word of God. Can you see it? Before you were even brought into this planet, God had you on His mind. He longed for an intimate relationship with you. He longed for you to know your full identity as a son and as a daughter. And he desired in his heart to bring you to a place where you reflected his essence so that you could make an impact on this world and do it with a bunch of friends and 20 years later give high fives for the cities that we change together. Way bigger than a service. Way bigger than some church gathering or worship set. He chose them to become like his son. Oh, my God. So it's not just be a good little Christian that has like an experience and then that's it and then they go on with their life or a measure of truth is revealed and then no big deal. We just keep, you know, we just, we're the same old selves that we always were. No, it says to be like his son. Look what it says here. I'm not going to get through this message. This may have to be a part two. But it says that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay. If we have faith and if we're like stirred up and fired up, we should be thinking about thousands upon thousands of people coming into this kind of encounter. I'm talking, yes, salvation, but I'm talking the kingdom of God interrupting their essence, like getting all up in their DNA, all the Jesuses, all of the truth coming into their very being. And that glory that they've now seen, they're reflecting in who they are in their lives. That's a move of God that will change the world. But it's interesting. The word firstborn, it's the Greek word proto. Where you get the word prototype. So Jesus, oh, well, I thought it was just Jesus and he just came down to do this ministry and then we just become good church going people for the rest of our lives and show up at a Sunday and now we're Christians and that's, no, he was a prototype of what you are actually called to be. But can you see it? Do you or have you beheld his glory, the only begotten son of the father? And do you realize the truth that you carry that essence on the inside of your frame? I feel like I'm going to explode up here right now. So, okay, so what's the deal exploding pastor, you know, okay. Wow, Arch, how was your service? Oh, it was awesome. Darren exploded on the stage this morning. But here's my thing. 
What's the deal with this relational pain and our inability to navigate conflict and unsafe people? Here's what happens. It has an effect on your heart and it takes away from the innocence of your heart to where you shut down, you shut off, and you isolate. Now, well, Darren, what's the big deal? Well, we all go through that, but you can't stay stuck in that place because Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, remember what he said, the pure in heart will what? So innocence of heart is tied to grace and our ability to see him for who he is, to be able to see truth for what it actually is. Come on, we got to wake up. No wonder the enemy is against this. It's about disunity, causing conflict, causing pain, causing brokenness in relationships. Because the essence of those things is coming into a body of Christ that's keeping them from able to be truly able to see God, which keeps them from being able to truly reflect the nature that they already carry on the inside because they can't recognize it. For we beheld him, the glory. You see, your authenticity to be true to your nature that now has been transformed on the inside of you because of Jesus and his blood, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, I don't have any problems with anybody else. Well, maybe you have a problem with yourself. Maybe you can't even love you. This takes on many forms. unoffendable unoffendable you know Michelangelo he, he carved this statue of David and people are awed by what they see when they come in contact with this piece of creative art so they ask him how did you do that and he said I chipped away every piece of the stone from the vision that I originally saw that I was to bring forth. Do you understand? When God knew you before the foundations of the earth, He saw something. He is the divine artist. And he is, trust me, whether you know this or not, and it may feel painful at times, he is chipping away that block of stone until he gets what he sees in his mind. That started with Jesus, the prototype. In fact, if you look at the word Christian, which has been lost in our culture, in religiosity, It's little Jesus. It's people that have been carved out of the same stone. The cornerstone. He's referred to as the cornerstone. The the, the precise piece of art that God is building everybody else into by His grace and His truth. He wrote this, Michelangelo, the sculptor's hand can only break the spell to free the figures slumbering in the stone.
Sometimes I know his heart just burns because he's looking at the church. He's like, it's a beautiful stone, but they're sleeping on the inside of it, and there's no beauty fully to it yet, but I see it, and I'm going to bring it forth. Verse 30, just look at this. And he, after chosen and choosing them, he called to come them to come to him. And he, having given himself right standing with himself, and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Look at this. This is really, really powerful. Four things. You've got to know this, that he's called you. Me? I thought that was just for a pastor. For That's the veil. That language is a veil. It's fading. It ain't for just some pastor or worship leader. That is not what church is about. You have been called by God. Secondly, coming to Him. Not moving away from Him in the midst of the everythings in life. But coming to Him. He said, I've called to them that they might come to me. If you're moving away from spiritual things and from Jesus, you're moving in the wrong direction. And His voice is not condemning you. It's calling you. Come to me. Move towards me. I have a calling on your life. And it's linked to other people. You need to get connected to them. If you're not connected to them, the fullness of what's in you will not be able to come forth. Come on. Number three, you need to understand your right standing in Jesus. Grace and truth. You need to understand how you're viewed through his eyes. If you don't, you won't run to him when you get into problems or when you're not manifesting his nature. But if you are, you'll run before the throne of grace, the Hebrew says, finding help in a time of trouble. This is, this is really good today, better than I thought it was going to turn out, actually. <laughs> oh, this is so good. And lastly, be true to your true character. Know that you carry his glory. You see, the tough thing for us as Christians, if you will, is we can't fake it until we make it. you got to be authentic to who you really are. Otherwise, people go, this is confusing. Like, they're supposed, they don't even know what they're wanting to say, but they're like, they're supposed to be the light of the world. And this is like not making sense right now. I'll just be authentic to myself because they're for sure not being authentic to who they really are. So if that's what I'm called to join, then I don't want any part of it. Lord, when we see you, give us grace to behold your glory. Let us see and know that everything works for our good and that we won't lose innocence of heart in the journeys of life. Let us be the best people on the planet at relational conflict. Let us learn how to work through better than anybody on the on the face of the earth messed up family 
and let us see something happen supernaturally through our lives to give people an example of what's possible let it happen in our marriages in our relationship with our children in the way that we interact with employees or business partners lord let the essence of jesus reign in your bride what Justin was singing about this morning like what he started in you Justin could you just sing some of that just what he began in you do you believe it that along the story and along the journey you're going to get to where he's taking you that you're coming out of that stone you're coming out of that stone and you're going to be a beautiful work of art that he saw before he even made you just for a minute I know we got to go but it's just Just how far we've come. We've come a long ways. <laughs> All we've been through, every breakthrough, it was you. Come on, just thank Him right now. It's you, Lord. Only it's you. Come on. <laughs> every failure, every open door. Come on, failure's not bad. Lord, you still knew what you had in store. All we've been through, every breakthrough, it was you. Oh, I've always had a hope It's never been a doubt in your mind. When I cannot see You are the author You are the fair Come on, sing that I've always had open future uh-huh. never been a doubt in your mind Even when I cannot see You are the Come author on, tell You are the finisher I've always had open
so that the glory that we behold will be the glory that we realize we carry. And that you're never finished with us. You're always working. There's a hope and there's a future. You cause everything to work for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purposes. Every heart in this room, every voice, God, in the earth that you're raising up right now, come and have your way. Listen, we're just going to continue. We're going to have our ministry teams come down if you need prayer. God bless you guys. Have an awesome day. Have an awesome rest of your week. Come on, Jesus is good. Let's give it up for the Lord. He's such a good God.